Welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today I'll be breaking down a show that is very dear to my heart. It started when I was in college and I was just a baby. And its first seasons were truly, truly, truly magical. Until we get to around season four with the Denny Hallucinations storyline. I've watched the whole show. Um, I stopped after the Denny Hallucinations initially. And then I watched again. I stopped after the season eight plane crash. But eventually, around season 10, I began watching again. And at that point, when I started rewatching again religiously, I rewatched from the beginning, from the very start to the current season, um, to the season 10, which was the current season then. And then I kept watching since then, even when it was disappointing, m- maybe for nostalgia, maybe there's something comforting about the first seasons or just about how Grey's has been on as, as I've developed into a full-blown adult. Um, When Shonda Rhimes wrote the episodes, the chemistry was palpable and the storylines created something organic and natural and real and everything melded flawlessly together. It felt very real, very authentic, very genuine, very human. You connected not only with the main cast, with their story arcs, with their faults, with their attributes, but also with the patients and the patients' storylines were also carefully crafted. And 18 seasons on, the show has completely changed. It's morphed into a more modern version, and it's something less magical and more distant, but they do say that art echoes life, and the world has changed a great deal since the magic seasons. Magic, for those who don't know, stands for the core original cast of interns of Grey's Anatomy. That would be Meredith Grey, Alex Karev, George O'Malley, Izzy Stevens, and Christina Yang. I still watch the show and it's more out of some strange nostalgic loyalty and maybe there's also some investment in in certain characters who started on the show like Meredith Grey, somewhat in Amelia Shepard, in Dr. Weber, of course Dr. Bailey, even to a lesser extent, a much lesser extent, Joe Wilson and Owen Hunt. Nothing will compare to the original seasons, the writing, the storylines, the dynamics between the different characters and their personality types. I thought I'd recap and give some commentary on a show that was once my favorite show. The first seasons will always be my favorite show. So today I'll break down season 18, episode 9, No Time to Die. I wasn't in love with the episode, but I also didn't hate it. I think the original show took time to develop the characters. It was done in such a raw way that viewers organically connected with the characters and with the storylines. Nothing felt too forced or contrived back then. Everything was built carefully. It was crafted very carefully and it flowed very well. And every viewer could relate to some piece of George, the big heart he had, the sensitive soul, the ego-less talent, or the asshole in Alex who survived his whole life and he had rough spots. He had trouble being vulnerable. He was scared to get too close to people initially. But over time, Alex became a support system for Meredith and he sat with her when he cri- when she cried. He drank away her sorrows with her and he became her person. And he also grew as a person from knowing Meredith, from loving Izzy, from Dr. Robbins. He developed from the asshole intern and he became an amazing pediatrician. And he became a very, very good, well-rounded, grounded man. And I think the reason that Grey's worked so well in a genre where medical dramas have been done over and over and over before is that everyone can see pieces of themselves in these characters. They can relate. And over the years, the characters developed and grew. And many people who grew up watching the show grew up with the characters they were watching. So maybe that's why it just feels so nostalgic to me. Anyways, enough of my Grey's rant. I could go on and on, so let's really get into the episode. 
Oh, and warning, there will be spoilers galore. So spoiler warning, if you haven't watched the latest episode and you don't want it ruined, stop listening and resume later if you like. Watch the episode first. I hate spoilers ruining my surprise, so I really want to make it clear. Spoiler alert. Most storylines are so predictable and contrived on Grey's nowadays that you already know which way the wind blows anyways. Nothing is as crafted as carefully anymore. They just seem to throw in the kitchen sink or they bank on reflecting to pass nostalgia to bring back the magical vibe. And sometimes it really does fall flat. And one example, and I think we saw this in today's episode, and then I promise I'm really going to get into the episode, but Levi lost his patient because he wanted to pull a Dr. Warren and do something against the rules because he assumed he could handle it. He was supposed to wait before doing the next step in his procedure and he was supposed to wait for the attending to observe him. Helm, who was working with him, warned him, but he insisted his ego got in the way. He said he's done this before. It's routine for him now. So he started before the attending arrived, even though that was the protocol. Now, when Ben plays cowboy, he's typically in a jam. It's typically to save a life, even though he does things that are beyond his purview. But Levi's bravado has led to the death of his first patient, and it's the death of someone he related with. He listened to this person's podcast. It was a young patient in his 20s. It's the first death at his hands, and he has a mental breakdown where he starts washing his hands in the sink over and over, scrubbing them until the skin is totally rubbed off, and he's bleeding, and his friends have to carry him out. In real life, if this happened, obviously he'd lose his job, he'd lose any prospects at becoming a doctor. But in soap opera land at Graceland Memorial, we don't really know what's going to happen. But this has reminded me of a few scenes, like Bailey's OCD issues when she used to count her fingers, when they helped Meredith shower, when she almost couldn't move after the bomb blast, she was traumatized. Um, it reminded me of when Izzy refused to leave Denny's side after the Elvad fiasco and then after he passed away. Just like when they did the mental illness thing with DeLuca and his dad and with Bailey and the OCD, I'm wondering if that's where Levi Schmidt is headed. We'll see. The show starts with a flashback scene of three weeks ago between Owen and the war vet he was helping to do the physician-assisted suicide. And he gives him the pills, and I'm not sure if in the case of the vet that he gave the pills to, if that was allowed legally or not. Owen says it met the state guidelines. But the vet also asked Owen to help three other vets who were ill and terminally suffering, who were also in his unit, and a physician-assisted suicide isn't allowed in their states. So Owen promises the vet. He agrees to secretly help them under the table as well. Owen agreed to it, even though it could cost him his medical license, his career, and his reputation. It could cost him everything. But he feels like if these vets are suffering and he could choose to end their lie, they would choose to end their lives, he would rather them die with dignity and have that option than try to take their own life or suffer till death. I could never be a doctor. I can't do blood. I can't do people's lives in my hands. And I couldn't live with killing someone, whether it was bound to happen and I was making a last ditch effort or not as a physician, I would not be able to live with it. If I made a mistake and it's not something I, it, I would never be able to let go. I would never be able to compartmentalize. I know every day I'd wake up and I'd remember it. And I do believe if you are terminally ill to the point where there's so much pain and suffering that life is a complete nightmare. Uh, it's a choice that should be made available to everyone, and it's not a choice I would make. I'm a firm believer that no matter how much pain you're in and no, much, no matter how much you suffer, and I've been through a lot in my life, you never choose to throw in the towel. You always choose. You wait until it's your time. You're born in your time, and you wait till pass away in your time. 
but I think I also think it should be everyone's uh, right to choose if they are terminally ill and they want to choose that. I believe the options should be available to them, even though it's not something I would choose. Everyone should have that right. As long as you're not hurting other people, you should be able to make that choice. The doctor, ethically, I mean, you take the Hippocratic Oath, and part of that is first do no harm. And if it's not legal in certain states, giving these vets those drugs under the table off the record and stealing drugs from the hospital would mean no more medical career, no more good reputation, no more job. And we know that Owen, when he felt he was about to die, asked Dr. Hayes before the car plunged to what he thought would be his death to fulfill his promise to the vet that passed away that he would help his friends um, to compassionately pass on and die on their terms. And as Owen is still in pain and traumatized before we even know if the man can walk again, let alone be a doctor, um, he asks to speak to Hayes before he goes into surgery. And Hayes is very confrontational about it. And he wants to inform Bailey. And we know that Owen will be out of commission for months. And Hayes knows that the vets that he was helping won't get the drugs while Owen is out of commission anyway. So we don't even know if Owen will practice medicine again. And what we what he does know is Owen is going to be sitting in a bed for months. He's most likely going to possibly be unable to walk. We still don't know what Owen will be dealing with. So why is this an issue to discuss with Owen now? Owen may want to discuss it, but he should say, we'll discuss this at a later time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a decision now. We'll discuss this later and just leave it at that. I felt like he was a little overly confrontational for a man who's just about to have surgery with a shattered leg. It's an issue to discuss, of course. Definitely, he has to discuss it. And if Owen, when he's feeling better, isn't willing to talk to Bailey, then he does have to talk to Bailey because he would be responsible for knowing this information and not revealing it. He could be jailed, he could lose his license, all sorts of stuff. So now that Hayes knows about it, he does have to do something. But I think he could give Owen a little time, wait to see how the surgery goes, recover a little bit, wait till the man can at least pee by himself and get out of bed by himself before he starts bringing this up and making it an issue. I mean, Owen almost died. He saved Hayes's life and Hayes is doing the right thing, but pressuring him right now and getting into the details of it right now isn't a great idea. We don't even know what Owen's life will be yet. He's not going to be able to help the vets and go through with it while he's stuck in bed anyway. So I would have waited until Owen was healing and until he can walk and pee by himself and things like that. And then I would confront him with it. And when he isn't in pain, um, because regardless of what he planned, there's no way for him to follow through with it anyway. So, and he wasn't trying to hurt anyone. So I don't know why Hayes needs to be so pressing about it. And I know Owen wanted to talk about it, but I would just be honest and say, we'll discuss this later. And when you're feeling better, you'll see if you're ready to talk to your boss. If you're not ready to talk to your boss, then I will, but we'll deal with it later. Later, we learn that Hayes has decided to return to Ireland and he didn't rat on Owen, but he will no longer be working at the hospital. And I thought that was odd. I don't didn't understand. Why not wait until Owen is recovering and then ask Owen to talk to his boss? Why just quit and go to Ireland? It made no sense to me. Another thing that made no sense. No one seemed to really check out Hayes or Teddy Altman. And we know that later on, uh, Meredith Gray does check out Hayes, but that's not until he's been in the hospital for hours. Immediately, no one checked out Teddy and Altman for internal bleeding or for anything. Teddy was acting very strangely, and I don't think it was just trauma from the accident. We know Derek passed from a head injury that wasn't properly evaluated, yet Amelia didn't force the issue of doing a full examination of Teddy, who definitely wasn't acting right. It was completely nonsensical. As for the heart being bruised, and I'm going to get into it later as we get more into the episode, it works for now, but Maggie initially told 
her subordinate, who happens to be her husband, she said no. She felt it wasn't a go not to use the heart, and her husband wanted to go forward, so she capitulated. It was a success for now, but she is technically his boss. She capitulated just because it's her husband who said a few inspirational words about miracles, what everyone went through and survived to get the heart where it needed to be. But should the bruise become an issue later on in a week or in a, a month or in two months, both Dr. Ndugu and Maggie will be held responsible. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but it may come back to bite them in the ass. As for Levi, I really was hoping and I still do hope that he is held responsible for his actions. With Joe and Link, I think they have been best friends for so long and it was an emotional day. And Link may not in his heart still be fully over Amelia, even though she's the one that rejected him. So drunk sex may, with his best friend may not be good for their relationship, either for their friendship or for their relationship long term. Joe only started wanting Link after he told her how into her he used to be. And then when he decided he wanted uh, Amelia, I believe once Link heals from Amelia, he does have love for Joe. But I don't think Joe really loves Link in the same way that he loves her. And if she does, then this was very, very, very poorly written. It just doesn't feel like it goes. When you have feelings for your best friend, you always know that you have them, whether you say it or not. You don't just suddenly develop them when they are when they love someone else. It doesn't just happen after they explain they used to be into you, but now they love someone else who rejected them, and so you try to make a move on them. This will end up a disaster. And as far as Nick and Meredith, I don't feel the chemistry with that. And I really, it's not that I completely don't ship them, but I just think he's a Walmart version of Derek. And they're really trying to make him have Derek-esque qualities with his way, kind of the way he speaks, some of the lines he says, the way they try to make him seem charming, his personality style. But to me, it really doesn't feel real and organic. It feels incredibly contrived. I'm sure there are people who ship them, and I think they will solidify Nick as Meredith's love interests, but it just feels a little bit off to me. I don't understand why they can't portray a woman who is happy alone, with a wonderful job, without a relationship, with wonderful kids, wonderful friends. I don't understand why Meredith needs a love interest at all. I think they should portray her as a strong woman who doesn't even need a relationship. And she should have a relationship. I'm not saying that ultimately she shouldn't end up with a partner, but they keep they make the, the her partners try to seem very idealistic and very much like have qualities like Derek. And I just don't understand. They should go in a completely different direction than Derek. It can still be a good guy with a completely different personality type than Derek. They tried with Riggs. They tried with Hayes. They are tried with Nick. There were a few other minor blips along the way. Did they never consider that Meredith might like being on her own with her amazing kids and her wonderful career and her wonderful community and friends, and that she may not need a man to feel loved or happy and fulfilled within herself? Personally, if I was going to pick someone just for now, I would have loved to see them bring back Finn from eons ago, Doc's vet, but only for nostalgia's sake, really. I'd like to see the doctors date people who aren't all doctors as well. They could add new settings and environments that way, new dynamics, different types of relationships. Doctors don't only date doctors. So I find that to be, they, they could include other people and then have other environments and introduce other people to the show. The episode, let's get back into the episode though. Enough of my opinion. The episode begins with a scene Three weeks ago, as we know, Owen helps a terminal vet with the pills for assisted suicide, and the vet asks Owen to promise to help his friends, who are also um, terminal, 
And in their states, as we know, assisted suicide isn't legal, so he's going to be helping them off the record and stealing the medicine. And Owen agrees to this, and I've already gave my thoughts on this, so I'm not going to be a broken record. But next we flash to Owen, and he survives. He's alive, but he's severely injured in the car that has tumbled down the steep cliff, and he's shouting for help. And as viewers may recall, Teddy got out of the car first with the heart, and she found a driver who was driving along the road, and it was a miracle that she even found that driver. It seems like a very isolated road. And they were driving back, and as they were driving back, Hayes ran into the street and thankfully met Teddy's car. And Hayes brings the heart in. No one takes much time to check Hayes or Teddy, who could have internal bleeding. And again, I know I said this a million times, but that's ridiculous, especially in light of Derek dying, because they did not check his brain. And people who are bleeding internally, they can be up and walking and talking and fine until all of a sudden they're not. So I thought that being in a hospital with doctors and doctors who are your friends, that was very odd and very unrealistic. But so are a lot of things on the show. In real life, for example, if Izzy cut the LVAD wire, she'd be done with her medical career. The hospital would be sued. Her superiors would also be held responsible and penalized in some way. There would be lawsuits galore and it would be a huge liability. The hospital would be hemorrhaging money. It probably wouldn't exist anymore. But in Shondaland, people get third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and sixth chances that you would never get in the real world. So Dr. Ndugu is rinsing out the heart with a saline solution and he notices that the donor heart is bruised and he decides to ask his wife, Dr. Maggie Pierce, the head of cardio, if the heart is still viable. And Owen is brought to the hospital and he's being assessed by Amelia and Link. He has severe leg injuries. His left leg is completely crushed. And he asks immediately about his nephew Farouk's heart and about Teddy. Owen knows his sister is a mess because she is worried over her son who will be getting the heart transplant. So he asks Amelia not to break the news of his injuries to his sister, Megan. He has extensive fractures in his left leg. He feels pain and that's a good sign that he might be able to walk, but they won't know until later. Teddy is completely out of sorts. She's traumatized, understandably, and she hasn't been checked out yet. She says she's fine, and no one really insists on doing a full checkup on Hayes or Altman, knowing they've been in a car accident when they first get to the hospital. And again, completely irresponsible. You can feel fine. You can be walking and talking, even if you are a doctor, and you can have internal bleeding and not know about it until it's too late. So that really blew my mind. Amelia tells Teddy she should be checked out, and Teddy ignores it. She's deeply traumatized, saying how Owen got her out of the car first, and the car was precariously dangling on the edge of the cliff. She heard the car fall as she drove away to the hospital with Farouk's heart, and she assumed that Owen was dead. And the whole ride back, she felt like Owen was dead, and she says her insides feel like lead or like ice, and she says her she needs her organs to thaw just a little bit before she sees Owen. And Emilio tells her that that's her nervous system protecting her and that Owen needs to see her. And they never actually check Teddy out, even though she is clearly traumatized and not herself. She sees Owen and Emilio wants to do a pan scan so she doesn't get blindsided in the ER when operating on Owen. So she sees everything ahead of time. And Link makes a cynical remark. I couldn't agree more. No one likes being blindsided because as we recall, he saw Amelia kissing Kai and he still loves her and they were hooking up not that long ago. But he did ask to marry her more than once, and she did say no, so he couldn't have been too blindsided. I think he may have been surprised that she moved on, but he shouldn't have been surprised that she isn't as in love with him as he is in love with her. I believe she said no twice, and she obviously isn't in love with him the way he's in love with her, and she can't help it if she's into Kai. 
And Kai's acting, by the way, leaves a lot to be desired. So it sucks for Link, but not everyone you love in life is going to love you back the way you love them. And it is tough. It is a harsh reality. It is hard to get over, but it's life. And as a person who wants love, you shouldn't want anything less than someone who loves you the way you love them and who wants the same thing as you want. If you want to be married and they don't want to be married, then that's not the right thing for you. You shouldn't accept less than you want and less than you deserve. So I'm hoping that Link will get over it. Amelia asks Link if he's okay and she wants a surgery on Owen to go well. She senses some negative emotions and she doesn't want any emotions or personal problems to affect the surgery and she'll be working with Link in the surgery. But Link dismisses her plea to talk and Billy and Weber are at odds. They're arguing in the surgical room where Levi killed his patient and he's compulsively scrubbing his hands raw till they bleed in the square room and he's overhearing their argument. Weber says it's not about his method of attendings rotating in during complex parts of the procedures being done by surgeons who are training. Weber says the issue isn't his method, but one surgeon, Levi, who overstepped. And Levi is hearing this. Weber says canceling his teaching method every time a surgeon makes an error, and he's going to continue with this point, but Bailey cuts him off saying this mistake by Levi was a preventable mistake. She's right. If Levi waited and followed protocol instead of letting his ego persuade him to go forward before the attending arrived, this may not have occurred. But is it the fault of Weber's method? No. Ultimately, Levi made the error and he refused to wait. He refused to call an attending, even at the urging of his calling who knew of his colleague who knew the procedure and Hal mourned him. This is Levi's fault. I would not want a training surgeon doing anything on me. I know they have to learn, but not on my body. Billy insists she is suspending the Weber method, and Weber says he won't accept that. It's Miranda's call as chief, whether he accepts it or not, technically. And he says, Billy may be the chief of the hospital, but he is still the chief of chiefs. And Bailey warns Weber she will report him, and that this is not appropriate for him to try and pull rank on her. Billy insists an attending should have been in the room. Weber sees Schmidt repeatedly scrubbing his hands. He yells, stop wasting water. Your hands are clean. But Schmidt ignores him. He's off in his own world. Maggie says she doesn't know if it's a good idea to use the donor heart that is bruised. She doesn't think they should move forward with the transplant. And keep in mind, she's the head of cardiothoracic surgery. She is Ndugu's, Dr. Ndugu's superior. But her husband, Dr. Ndugu, says if they don't do the transplant, they have to put Farouk back on ECMO and they would risk Farouk bleeding or having clots, causing a stroke or worse. He isn't sure Farouk could survive long enough to find another donor heart. Maggie says if the heart fails from the impact of bouncing around in the cooler during the accident, he will go into immediate cardiac arrest that will be worse. Maggie tells her husband, you called me in for my opinion, and I think you need to wait for a new heart. But he ignored her and he says, let's begin. And Maggie tries to interject some more, but her husband says he knows the risks, but it's a miracle that Hunt and Altman and Hayes are alive and they still got the donor heart to the hospital and he's going to trust his gut and take the miracle. If Dr. Ndugu wasn't Maggie's husband as his superior, would she allow a doctor beneath her to go against her advice as the attending cardiologist? He asks Maggie to help him and she capitulates to him. And it seems to work out, but we don't know how the bruising will affect the vitality of the heart in the long run. Should it cause problems, Farouk would still need another transplant. The hospital would be sued and liable if the patient were to have issues because they decided to use the bruised heart. And that, again, went against Maggie's advice. And she is the head of the cardiothoracic department. 
I didn't feel this was the right choice, but maybe there will be no repercussions. If there are, Maggie's career could be destroyed. As the head of cardiothoracic surgery, she said no, and her husband convinced her against her advice, and she agreed against her own advice, and she agreed to help him. If it was not her husband and any other subordinate, this would not have flown. And if anything happens, Dr. Ndugu will lose his career, Maggie will lose her reputation and career, her whole career will be destroyed, the hospital could be sued and held liable, and their marriage will also be over. I don't think this is over because just because it worked out for now. I think there will be huge repercussions, and maybe I'm overthinking things, but I don't think so. Next, Meredith is talking to Nick, her new love interest that I'm not super crazy about, and he's she's telling him about her patient, Dr. Hamilton, who has lied about pain from a bowel obstruction because he wanted to proceed with the experimental surgery. He was septic and he almost died. And I can't imagine a doctor, even one desperate to cure his own MS or Parkinson's, wouldn't be truthful and honest and delay the surgery and be honest about his symptoms because it would be impeding his own successful recovery and it would also impede the success and the viability of the treatment actually being viable and working the way it should. It would also impede the research and progress that the doctors have spent years of their lives trying to make to come up with this solution. If a doctor is that stupid, I wouldn't want them touching me. Nick decides that he's gonna fly to Seattle on a critical care jet. He can accompany Meredith as she drowns her sorrows. She sees Hayes with a cut on his head out of it, and she asks Hayes, what happened? And he explains there was an accident, and Hayes says his life flashed before his eyes. He saw his wife who passed on, and his boys, and it was a lot. He's clearly traumatized, and Meredith asks if he has been checked out. Hayes says he's fine, and Meredith insists he go inside. She checks his pupillary response, asks a few questions, takes his blood pressure, cleans his cuts, and he asks Meredith what her opinion is on mercy killings. He says, he asks Meredith, what does she think of a doctor who puts that decision in his own hands, who killed a man who was terminal and wanted to die? She responds, she would say, first do no harm. And Hayes agrees. Meredith asks Hayes if he has anything he wants to tell her. Hayes tells Meredith that Altman and Hunt were in the car with him and Hunt was hurt very badly. I find it very hard to believe Bailey and Weber and Meredith still wouldn't know what happened to Hunt and Hayes would be the one to tell Meredith. It seems very weird and out of place in the Grey's world. Remember when Meredith almost died of drowning and every doctor and their mother knew about it and was there trying to help in some way? Yet Owen has major injuries and Amelia and Link know and are helping and Bailey and Weber are fighting over teaching methods not yet aware and Hayes is the one to tell Meredith and Meredith has to check Hayes medically because still he hasn't been checked. It was suggested Teddy get checked but she still wasn't checked by Amelia whose brother died from the head injury that wasn't evaluated in time. Again, and I know I've said this before but it really makes no sense and it was poorly written and organized. Hayes suggests that Owen may need Meredith's expertise as a general surgeon, and suddenly Weber is following her into the scan room with Amelia there. Owen has multiple fractures and internal lacerations. He has some spine issues, and we don't know if he'll walk again, even though he has movement and feeling in his legs. If Amelia's part of the procedure goes wrong, he could be paralyzed. Billy finds Levi still scrubbing his hands almost to the point of bleeding, which later on in the episode he actually gets to, and she lets him know he won't be scrubbing in on anything. And she tells Levi, a surgeon who hasn't lost a patient has not done enough surgeries, that it happens even to the best surgeons. I can't believe he won't be held liable considering he refused to wait for an attending 
as the protocol was laid out, but I hope he isn't off the hook. If Levi waited for his superior, the patient would still be alive possibly. And it wasn't a learning curve mistake. It was an intentional ego-driven move, knowing the next step isn't supposed to be done until the attending joins. He was warned by Helm and he knew the protocol and he still choose, made the choice to go on. The guy died not from a random clot or something out of anyone's control. This was preventable and the judgment call of an inexperienced cavalier surgeon who was in training and it wasn't Weber's fault. I think it was Levi's fault. Bailey tells Schmidt to take a break and feel his feelings and then he must write the report on what happened. Link and Amelia argue on whether to operate on the spine issue or the shattered leg first, and the spine is typically the first to be tackled, but Link says since Owen's leg is shattered with an open wound, it should take priority. And Dr. Kim is there, and he suggests repositioning Owen on his side so they can operate simultaneously on the spine and the leg. And as the doctors are arguing strategy, Owen wants to talk to Hayes, and they insist that the operation needs to happen immediately. Owen insists he needs to speak to Hayes before surgery, and it can't wait. He knows what he asked of Hayes when he thought he was dying, when he told Hayes where the drugs were and to pass them on to the vet to help them um, pass away with assisted suicide. And Link seems very pissed, like he's bringing anger with Amelia into the surgery and even into his approach at operating. Hayes goes in to see Owen pre-op and he thanks Owen for saving him, for making him get out of the car before it fell with Owen in it. And Owen asks Hayes to thank him by forgetting his request to have Hayes help him with the assisted suicides under the table, which would destroy Owen's career if it got out. And Hayes says if he ignores what Owen said, he's an accessory to a crime. Owen says the vet he helped qualified for physician-assisted death, but the vet's friends don't come from the states that allow assisted suicide, so he promised the vet before his death he would help his friends since they were terminal, and that vet before his death promised his friends that Owen would help them as well. Hayes asks, so you stole drugs and plan to pass them out like candy? Owen says he planned to show those soldiers the respect they deserved from our country and to keep his promise. Hayes said Owen saved his life and he needs to spend what's left of it looking after his sons. Hayes says he can't go to prison as an accessory since he knows now. Owen insists that won't happen. Hayes says Owen stole life-ending drugs he planned to give to men who don't qualify by law in their states for physician-assisted death. Hayes tells Owen to come forward and tell Bailey what he's done and that the longer he keeps his secret, the worse it will be. He wants Owen to tell the truth so he doesn't have to rat on him. If I was Hayes, I would just wait until after surgery and after knowing what Owen's future holds, recovery-wise, and then I'd request of him that he go talk to his boss and be held accountable, but not right before his surgery while he's been through this trauma. I already mentioned this, but Owen may never walk again. He may be out of commission for months, or more, he may never be a doctor again, so I don't think he should do this right now. I know Owen wanted to talk about it, but I think he should have told Owen we'll talk after knowing. Oh, he already knows Owen's not going to be dispensing those drugs anytime soon. Give it a week or two. Owen, wait till Owen isn't drugged and wait till he knows what his future will hold and then ask him to go to Miranda. It's not like he's physically able to follow through with it anyway in the state that he's in. So wait till he's not in pain, wait till he's not traumatized and drugged up and then ask him to, to address it. I wouldn't let it go, but right before a surgery after a car accident when you may never walk again and you won't be able to carry it out anyway, um, I believe that it could wait. I'd say I can't forget about it, but we'll talk after your surgery when he can move around some, when he's not drugged up, and when he has somewhat adjusted to his injuries and to his life, I'd then ask him to deal with it and to tell his boss 
or I would if he refused, but pre-op isn't the time for this detailed of a conversation. Owen says, I fell off of a cliff, so you didn't have to. And Hayes says, he isn't going to prison or losing his license for knowing about this and failing to report it. Hayes says, he's grateful, but he can't promise Owen he won't tell Bailey. Owen is drugged up, presumably in pain, not knowing if he will be able to walk again, and that will determine his the surgery is going to determine his mobility for the rest of his life. I don't think ethically Hayes should forget about it, but he could also say, we'll talk later, not now, and wait till there's some recovery going on and then ask Owen to do the right thing. He's right, but this isn't the right time. Even if Owen wants to discuss it, Hayes should say, I can't ignore it, but it's best we talk later. Hayes wants to think it over. Meredith's patient, Dr. Hamilton, apologizes. Meredith doesn't accept the apology, neither does Kai. Imagine curing something or potentially curing something and then finding the one clinical trial patient that is approved to try this experimental thing and the patient is going to lie about his symptoms and pain level to force the experimental surgery, which would then jeopardize the viability of the trial and it would also jeopardize a successful outcome and all the research and work that was put into it. I think it's incredibly selfish. What, do, what doctor would be that stupid? All he has to do is wait a little bit longer and fix the bowel issue and he could still have the procedure done with a better chance at success and positive results. So to me, this makes zero sense. They shame Dr. Hamilton and Dr. Gray warns him she'll quit if he pulls the shit again. Joe checks on Levi, who is still scrubbing his hands raw. Bailey told her what happened and she's going to take Levi home. Joe tries to get Levi to stop compulsively scrubbing his hands raw, but she can't get him to stop. Megan is in the chapel praying and Hayes meets her to update her on Farouk. Hayes wants to know what Megan's plan is for her to not kill herself because last episode she was not taking Farouk's illness very well and she wasn't in a good place. Hayes tells Megan his wife died a few years ago and he couldn't move on. He blamed it on his son having panic attacks but he never got over his wife and he may never get over his wife and he doesn't want to leave his boys but he wishes he could be with his wife at the same time. He tells her he knows how it feels to want to live and to not want to live at the same time. He knows the depth of that grief, the impulse to want to leave the planet. But if he gives her more bad news, he needs to know he's not leading her to take her life. She says she took a sedative. She'll call her therapist and email her shrink. But she wants to know everything. Hayes tells Megan about the accident, but the heart was bruised. And Dr. Ndugu thinks it's functional, so they are proceeding with the transplant. Hayes tells her Owen was injured, he'll live, but his leg was shattered and he's in surgery. Hayes makes Megan call her shrink in front of him. I understand the show wants to promote helping people who struggle with mental illness, but I really, in this case, I don't think Megan really was going to kill herself. But from everyone that I have known that has taken their lives, even people on the periphery of my life who have made that choice, it's typically never the ones who openly suffer who actually do it. I mean, sometimes I guess it is, but in all the cases I've known, it's the ones who suffer privately and they put a smile on and they're the life of the party, the ones no one suspected would ever take their lives who end up doing it, the ones who maybe drink too much and they're doing too many drugs, maybe they're overly emotional about a breakup or something that's a very temporary sadness, and then they do a um, impulsive move in the moment. Uh, I think that people who voice that they're suffering and you can see that they're suffering majority of the time just from what i've seen and i'm no therapist so i can't judge but i've seen a lot of these things happen and it's never the people who 
openly are open about their mental state and who are suffering. It's always people who put a smile on that I've seen this happen to, or who are going through a temporary problem and into maybe drugs or alcohol, other addictions, and then they make an impulsive choice and they end their life. But it's typically not people in Megan's state that I've seen do that. From my experience, it's just never the people you expect to do that, that actually go ahead and do something like that. But from what I've seen in reality, it's not the people who openly suffer. Anyways, that's just my my opinion on it. But next, Meredith joins Weber in the gallery at Owen's surgery, and Weber says he can't picture Owen not standing at an operating table working as a surgeon. Weber tells Meredith about Schmidt, and he acknowledges he should be comforting Schmidt, but he's angry because Schmidt was supposed to wait for the attending to go to the next step in that procedure, but he didn't. And had he waited for the attending to proceed and followed protocol, this wouldn't have happened, and Bailey wouldn't have put an end to Weber's method of teaching and the teaching program he implemented. Weber says that it's hubris that led Levi to make this mistake. And I would agree. It was totally ego and hubris. Meredith says she wouldn't have waited and Christina and Alex wouldn't have waited if they felt confident and they knew they could do it. And it gives them a high to operate and that she knows they would have, the interns back in the day would have gone through with it too. Weber gets snippy with her. He says Meredith is saying Bailey is right to kill the Weber method of teaching. And Meredith says no. She was just saying that she feels bad for Schmidt. Link wants the gallery cleared to focus when he sees Kai there. Owen's surgery does seem to be going well. Joe gets Helm to help her with Levi. At this point, he's been scrubbing compulsively over and over and over, scrubbing his hands for hours and hours and hours. And they're completely bleeding. There is no skin left. And he won't stop. So the new intern who came for Bailey um, tells Levi that when his first patient died at his hands, he went running so long that he collapsed. And he knows how Levi feels, but Levi has to stop. Why has no one called anyone from psych to sedate him and let him rest? It's a hospital after all. This doesn't make any sense to me. So Dr. Wright, the intern who came to study under Bailey, carries Levi out of the scrub room and Levi starts wailing and screaming and it's almost like a primordial animalistic cry and wail. Like you can just feel the pain. Owen's surgery is over at this point and he is in ICU and Amelia confronts Lincoln and she yells at Lincoln for spending the day punishing her because he saw Amelia kissing Kai for bringing all of that negative energy and resentment into Owen's surgery. Amelia says they should have had a conversation before the surgery. Link tells her, do you think you get to be upset? Are you serious? He says he is head over heels pining for her because Amelia told him many times that she loved him and they were building a life together. And suddenly she said, no thanks. And he has been torturing himself, trying to convince himself that he doesn't need to be married as he wanted to be. He just needs her. But I just want to point out, she said no to marriage more than once. So if he has to convince himself he doesn't need what he really wants, which is a marriage, he just that he just needs her and she doesn't seem to want to invest, the idea that he has to convince himself to take less than what he wants in life should be enough for him to want to walk away. People are taught that they have to have a family and a person to be happy, that they must have love. And I see a lot of people unhappy taking less than they deserve in real life and also portrayed on TV shows because they're ignoring the obvious red flags because they believe somehow that love will solve everything in their lives, fill every void, fix every crack. And I want to understand why they can't allow people in TV shows and in real life to, to know like you can be happy alone. People can be very happy alone 
with fulfilling lives with kids, but maybe without a serious partner to grow old with. Link was going to tell her he loved her and wanted to be with her without having the marriage, but he found her kissing Kai where he works. And it really bothers him that he, that she was doing this where he works. Link says Amelia moved on like the last year and a half didn't matter to her. And Amelia says she doesn't just move on. She thought and processed and went through every feeling and scenario. And she spent a year in an AA figuring out what she needed. But Link refused to hear that. She felt she was losing herself in something she didn't want. She says Link demanded that she marry him. And now he wants to gaslight her into thinking she played him. Link says Amelia keeps using the word gaslighting when you pretend someone else's experience, their reality isn't real. He says like when she pretends they didn't make an amazing baby together or raise four kids or love each other very well. He says it's like when Amelia pretends they weren't in love because she is ready to move on with some random woman. And Amelia corrects Link and says they're non-binary. Link says that makes it better. He says congratulations very cynically that he hopes she's happy. They now check to see if Farouk's new heart will beat. And Helm and Joe and the new guy who fanboys Bailey are with Levi bandaging his hands, being very supportive, yet no one called psych when ne when Levi seems to be having a breakdown. Ne Nico tries to talk to Levi, who he notices is very out of sorts and disheveled, and Helm has to take him away and explain to Nico what happened to Levi. We find out that Farouk's heart is beating. So far, it's a success, and I really hope this doesn't bite them in the ass later or affect Farouk. Hayes tells Bailey he is leaving back to Ireland after Bailey talks about how much Owen and his family have been through, saying Owen is one of the best men she knows. He cares. He fights. And she says she knows that he'll be okay. She's going to declare that he'll be okay. Hayes says that his kids aren't happy in Seattle, so he's going to go back to Ireland. And Bailey asks him to please stay till she hires a replacement, but he can't. He says, this is my last shift. I think that what's going on, obviously, is Hayes doesn't want to tell on Owen, and he doesn't want to lose his license. He doesn't want to go to jail for knowing and not speaking up, so he figures he'll just move back to Ireland. Dr. Ndugu is on cloud nine after the surgery. He wants to celebrate with Maggie, and Maggie is happy, but she's not as ecstatic as Dr. Ndugu, and she says she didn't know that Dr. Ndugu was the type to take in miracles and that she takes in science and data and reason. She takes in calculated risk. Ndugu says today Maggie jumped in and had his back. And Dr. Ndugu says they were a team who both showed up. I have a feeling this is totally going to come back to bite both of them and it's going to affect not only their careers but their marriage as well. We're, we'll have to see. Nick meets Meredith and she tells him about Owen and Hayes and Schmidt and everything ha that happened that day. And they're going to be chilling at a hotel. What I don't understand is Meredith has three kids who didn't see her all day. And most mothers cannot just go to a hotel with their when their boyfriend shows up. But okay. Amelia meets Kai at the bar that used to be Joe's. And she asks how the surgery went and... She says, Owen is alive. He's not paralyzed, but he's going to have a very, very, very long recovery ahead of him. And Amelia explains that Owen is her ex-husband and the surgeon who worked with her on Owen is her son's father, Link. Amelia says her life is messy and she gets it if Kai isn't interested in that. Kai asks if Amelia's type is hot, square-jawed men. And Amelia says her type is hot, square-jawed Kai. I really don't see the chemistry between these two. I'm not sure if it's Kai's acting She's very distant in her acting and she doesn't feel invested in her role. It just doesn't feel organic. 
but it could also be the bad writing or poor chemistry between the actors or the characters. It just doesn't feel organic to me. Every couple they make now just feels incredibly scripted and contrived and thrown together. It just doesn't seem organic and natural to me. Amelia asks if Kai has a type and Kai says no, but she's sharing her fries and that's no small thing. And as they're talking, Link texts Amelia a adorable picture of Scout and we learn that Link sends a nightly photo of Scout even if they fight. And Amelia says she hates that she broke Link's heart and that he made her break it all over again. Amelia tells Kai that she doesn't drink because Kai offers to get her a drink to drown her sorrows. And Link and Joe are drinking up and he says he doesn't want to feel all this all over again, meaning heartbreak. And Joe says, then don't. Life is hard enough. And sometimes on bad days, they kill people and wash their hands until they bleed. So she tells Link, don't suffer anymore. Then you have to. And Link asks if it's that easy. And Joe says, maybe. She says, Amelia is a good mom and a great surgeon and a decent person, but she doesn't want what Link wants. She tells Link he's Atticus Lincoln, the best ortho surgeon, the best bartender, the best father. And Joe know that Joe knows, and he's also really hot. And Joe says, he's the hottest guy that everyone knows. Let's not pretend that's not true. And she says there are other women who would love to love him. And he jokes that he's a catch. And Joe tells Link that he warned Amelia and he suffered enough, so don't suffer anymore. And then she kisses him and he asks if it's a bad idea, but they still seem to be sealing the deal. I don't think in the end that this is going to go well in the long run, but we'll see. And Bailey and Weber take a very awkward elevator ride together in absolute silence. Nico finds Levi sitting outside the hospital on the curb, so he sits there with him. Owen wakes up in pain with Teddy by his side, and the surgery went well, and in time he'll walk. And Teddy tells him that Hayes quit, and Hayes is going to go back to Ireland. Teddy asks, what happened in that car, Owen? What are you not telling me? And the episode ends. This episode wasn't the best episode, nor was it the worst. I wonder if Joe and Link will survive in a romantic relationship while he is still grieving Amelia. I wonder what repercussions Owen will face. I wonder if Bailey and Weber will come to a truce. I think with Schmidt, it's more than just losing the patient. He may have bigger psychological issues that come into play. I also wonder if Farouk's heart will have long-term issues. I really hope not, but if so, the implications to Maggie and Dr. Ndugu will be huge. We'll just have to see what happens next week. Thanks for watching. I might cover the rest of the season and some of my favorite Grey's episodes as well. We'll see. Thanks again. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe. See you guys Sunday for the next episode of Sister Wives and for 90 Days on 90 Days with Mary Jane Kay. Bye!